0: أوكي بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا عاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا للظالمين والصلاة أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه الجمعين اللهم سهل إلا ما جعله سهلا وأن تجعل حزن عداش سهلة اللهم أعينا لا ذكرك وشكرك عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. so um okay. So today I 'm um, I'm not, I'm not even sure where we 're signing. i can't work out whether we actually did anything from the book last week. Yeah, I have my doubts. I think we've covered all of Aura last week, to be honest. Are you sure and it seems like yani, from the book I, seems to have been, I seem to have been on the same page for the last four weeks, so i'm just not' I just maybe comments from you son. Right, so. I think this year is just going to be the conditions of the prayer, by the Right. Part two, go <laughs> Just start in the middle. Yeah, not, and then, yeah, yeah. that's right. And then, throw it down the basket. Okay. <laughs> okay. Alright, never mind, guys. That was just technical difficulties. Okay. Right, so, uh, I think, let's, let's just. Uh, Because to be honest, I I, I tell you what the issue, where the problem is. The problem is, is because it's Aura, and everyone wants to know so much about Aura, and not just about the prayer, but generally. So the lessons that I've been, like, doing are combining all the issues of Aura, outside, inside, theory, context, blah, blah, blah. And so we've kind of, like, gone all the way and covered it all, then come back and whatever, and now it's almost like, uh, you know, we're all over the show. But... um, uh, I think yeah. That's the real question about whether we have done that part which is and that the entire body of a free woman is awra except for her face have we actually done that like formally yeah we're discussing face covering and so no no don't say what we're discussing because we've been, we're discussing everything like there's hardly anything left that we haven't discussed so we've moved on? We haven't done that. Right. So I'll read it in Arabic and i read it in English and you tell me what's going on. So, وَقُلْ الْحُرُّ عَوْرَةٌ إِلَّا وَجْهَهَا وَيُسْتَحَبُّ صَلَاتُهُ فِي ثَوْبَيْنِ وَيَكْفِي سَتْرُ عَوْرَتِهِ فِي النَّفَلِ وَمَعَ أَحَدِ عَاتِقَيْهِ فِي الْفَرْضِ وَصَلَاتُهَا فِي دِرْعٍ وَخِمَارٍ وَمِلْحَفَة okay so entire entirety the entire body of a free woman is awrah except for her face it is recommended for a man to pray in two garments though it is sufficient for him to cover just his minimum awrah for supererogatory prayers but he must also cover one of his shoulders in the obligatory prayer it is recommended for a woman to pray in a shirt a head covering and a garment covering the rest of her body. However, it will suffice if she only covers her aura. Is that clear, everybody? So I can tell you right now that we haven't discussed it is recommended for a man to pray in two garments. We've not done that. My only question is is that have we formally discussed the issue of the entire body of the free woman, and a woman is aura? I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on page 164, Ibn Taymiyyah's statement is the last thing that we did. Okay, a couple of weeks ago. I think that makes sense to me. That Shaykh al Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, he said that it is impermissible to look towards the uh, Aura um, or towards a, 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 a young boy, actually. <inaudible> I think we discussed that. And, and about how, you know, because last week we kind of took the whole of Aura everywhere, right? And we didn't actually go through the book itself. So okay. Anyway, in summary, in summary, the, the I mean I can cover the the um, the position of the, the female. Um, the Hanbalis, as 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 the as the sentence before states is very clear that all of her body is aura when it comes to the prayer. So that's the hands and the feet. So when a woman prays, she has to cover everything. She has to not only have a long jilbab or prayer dress, she has to wear socks. Because when you say cover the feet, it means the bottom of the feet. And by definition, therefore, it means there has to be some kind of sock that's been worn. So that's according to the Hanabila. And um, Ibn Taymiyyah, oh, sorry, beg your pardon, the Malikis and the Shafi'is, they said that her entire body is the awra except her hands. So the feet need to be covered as well. And the face doesn't need to be. Okay? They all said the, feet, the face doesn't need to be. So remember that. Whenever you're studying this, none of the scholars at all ever said that the face needs to be covered in Salah. The discussion is always about the hands and the feet. Okay. So whenever we're varying between everything, we're just varying that. So the whole body has to be covered for Salah. Okay? Uh, uh, meaning that's her awrah. And remember by definition what that means. It means that whatever covers it. It could be one cloth, okay? But that's the point, that every part of the body is covered. The, the face is always uncovered in Salah. The variation is just hands and feet. So the Hanbalis cover hands and feet. The Shafi'is, they cover the feet. They allow the hands to be open. And the Hanafis are the most... Well, I don't know what the word would be. Liberal? Flexible? Flexible. 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 And lenient. I don't, it may be, Yeah, Lenient. And it is a position of Ibn Taymiyyah, and it is our class position as well. Yep, so the hands are uncovered, the feet do not need to be covered, and the face is not covered. All three. Uncovered does not mean it has to be, it means that it is not obligatory to cover. Now, as we said before, the irony is, and as we spoke about last week, is that outside of the salah, okay, it's different. All right, outside of the salah, we said actually that the hands, the feet need to be covered according to all four imams. That the hands are recommended or obligated according to differences. And the face is obligated or recommended according to differences. And it goes down to then the age of the woman, married, not married, level of society. A whole load of factors are in play when it comes to the niqab. okay, Or the burqa, which is covering it entirely from the top. Okay, now, um, and again, for the, I think the fifth time, because it's very important for you to understand because people are getting confused on this. The reason behind that is because what governs the rules of covering in the prayer is not what governs the rules of covering outside of the prayer. Outside of the prayer it is? Depends, on the situation. Depends on upon the situation. But what is the main driver behind women's dress code outside of the prayer? Fitna. No. Fitna. Fitna. Good. Fitna. The potential for the body to be seen in any way that incites temptation to all people. OK, so again, it reminds us that, yes, the man and whatever, uh, they all have the responsibility of lowering their gaze, looking away, not staring. When it comes to looking at a woman, it is permissible only to look once, yeah, I need the, the first glance, as it's known. And I want you to understand that the first glance concept is, I mean, like I said, I don't want to go into this, and that's a trap we felt it fell in the last couple of weeks, but uh, at the fundamental level, Men have responsibility and the women have responsibility. And you know as, as I discussed this before, I touched upon it before, but now in the political climate today is very sensitive to speak about that. Not from an Islamic point of view. We couldn't care less. يعني, Islamic, Islamic rule is Islamic rule. But because many Muslim women especially now have taken on and this is definitely linked to the rise of feminism and so on um, uh, have now uh, fi- found it And it's completely unacceptable to talk about the woman's responsibility when it comes to external appearance. okay? Because it really rapidly then descends into the rape argument and people getting attacked sexually and are you blaming the victim and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah. So it's a very sensitive thing. Of course it's true, the victim is not to be blamed. But the problem is that now you can't even have a discussion without talking about the woman has a responsibility and that the man has a responsibility. Just for clarity, in Islam, the rule is a lot easier and clearer than civil law. The woman is not in any way attacked, uh, 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 punished in a rape situation. Okay, just so that it's clear, according to orthodox uh, uh, practice. So she doesn't have a role to play where it's now become a discussion that she was to blame or not to blame or whatever. I don't even know whether there's a legal implication behind that in civil law. But in Islamic law, if that happens, the man was killed depending upon his. Um, Legal status, is he married, is he not married, etc. etc. Okay? So that's in terms of the female. Uh, so she is entirely covered outside because it's issue of fitna. Whereas in the salah, it's about zina, it's about looking the very best that you can in the best presentation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are some wisdoms there that maybe some people reflect upon. They can work out why it is that the hands and the feet are uncovered or not so important, whatever, in terms of beauty. Maybe it is because they are physically beautiful. Allah I don't know. Yes? Outside of prayer, a woman is wearing like, shoes that show like that her foot. would that be sinful then? The, the shin you mean? No, as in like, you know, the top of your feet, like pumps or something. Um, what, When it's uncovered? Yeah. Yeah, according to the four imams, according to the four imams, okay, and as I said, this is an issue which there is a huge discussion about, okay, and that's why I don't want to get into that That. that. Um, But according to the four imams, and there are even differences amongst each madhab. yes. Showing, uh, for example, if a woman was to wear some form of uh, uh, shoes that would show the foot, top part of the foot or whatever, this would be unacceptable. As you can imagine, the discussion is warranted because this would put women under a lot of difficulty. It also, in my opinion, does not represent what the reality was of the companions, female companions at the time of the Prophet And I just find it, I, I find it's difficult. Certainly not from an ideological point of view. If it's got to be covered, it's got to be covered. I just find it unrealistic from a historical point of view. I just struggle with it. Because uh, if you remember when we were covering the issues of for over the socks, we keep focusing, or the, the, the conversation is almost like it's a male conversation. But it's not. Women also make masah, isn't it? Yeah? Of course they do. Everyone makes masah Yani uh, wiping over the socks. And if you remember, our class position was that in actual fact, cuts, tears, and and holds do not affect the ruling. And we discussed a whole body of evidences for that. Now, by definition, if we're allowing that for the man, why are we not allowing that for the woman? I did not hear a scholar ever say that there is an exception. Now, you might say, well, the reason they didn't mention it is because it goes without saying that a woman shouldn't have a cut in her clothes. That could be an argument. If that's the case, then how do we... How do we argue or how do we maintain that consistency in that we are saying that, as Ibn Taymiyyah said, it wasn't possible for the companions, and actually that's very clear in this chapter now, to have that level of luxury that they had many pairs of socks or very good quality socks or the fact that their socks were never ripped. And that is across the board, male and female. And in actual fact, if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to go there, then then maybe it's right to say that the women were even poorer than the men because they at least had an opportunity more from a cultural point of view. Of course, even though the Prophet ﷺ changed that, mm-hmm. but at least from a cultural point of view, they weren't working so much. Yeah? Or if they were, the money was going to someone else, a male figure. Yeah? So that would take some time getting over as well. right? So I just think that there's too many points there, and Allah knows best. But definitely from an Islamic fiqh point of view, from a safety point of view, one should try and ensure that to be with the four imams in any scenario even if the aql says no and evidence says no we've discussed that before when you have the four imams make a statement okay or the majority of scholars make a statement ulama, we are always reticent to then go against them regardless we just like that safety thing we've said before that safety is not a legal position it doesn't it doesn't it's not to say that this is legally the most accurate answer but practically speaking it's something which is important okay alright um Alright, so um, the next statement then would be that it is recommended for the man to pray in two garments. And why? Because that is obviously more covering of the body. And these two garments, by definition, are called the bottom garment and the top garment. And the bottom garment is called the izar. The izar. And the top garment is called. Nope it can be a kameez. But technically, huh? <laughs> rida' with a, with a dal, okay? <coughs> Don't yani, say it with a dad. That's a different word altogether, yeah? Rida' means pleasure and happy and satisfaction. And Rida' with a dal is the upper part of the uh, clothes. And that's a generic name. Obviously, when we put on ihram, we do refer to it as the Rida' and the izar, but it's the two parts of the ihram. But I'm just saying that these words, Rida' and izar, uh, uh, exist outside of the Ihram. It just means upper garment, top, everything. And we, we mentioned throughout the uh, the translation of Rida, of the Izar, sorry, would be the Sarong, yeah, or Lungi or whatever. And the Rida is too generic to give a name to. It's uh, it's not the, a Akamis because a is obviously like this, yeah. It's not, sorry, a kameez is obviously cut, a thobe would be this, and then you've got the burda, and you've got hoods, and you've got X, and Y, and Z. You've got different phrases for different, yani, clothes. The izar, the rida the, 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 um, uh, is too generic, I think. Uh, I think is too generic. And that's why, you know, we mentioned yesterday that there are words that only Muslims use. So waist wrapper is another classic, isn't it? You see in all the books of old hadith, whatever, a waist wrapper. I, when I was young, and I used to read that, I had absolutely no idea. I thought it was a belt a waist wrapper okay but obviously now you know that it's Izar and Izar means you know larong it's, larong sarong <laughs> sarong I just got the two words mixed up create a new word lungi and sarong make a larong yeah okay so uh, the, the, the the top part can anyone think of a phrase we need we need we learn, uh, shawl yeah I mean that's how Pax would look at it right a shawl Exactly that, because uh, certainly from where I come from, okay, us Patans we uh, 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 only have the top part, yeah, I mean, as, a, as a cloth and we wrap it around ourselves. Also like the women, so the women use the large cloth, yeah, chadar, okay, so, sorry, uh, in the actual language we call it chadar, but the men's chadar is exactly the same. Okay, and it's, you know, in, when it's cold, there's no cold kind of culture and we wrap it around. So Jadr I think, is the best idea to understand. Jadr. basically a piece of cloth and its responsibility is the top part. Now now you will understand the hadith which we're going to be covering again today. This is a very, very important hadith. We covered it three, four times already. The hadith of Jabir. When the Prophet ﷺ, he came to the Prophet ﷺ, what do you think about this? And the Prophet ﷺ said to him that, listen, if it's big enough, this chadr, and that's what he was wearing. He was wearing a chadr. If it's big enough, then all over the body, starting from the top. Over the shoulders... And bring it all the way down. And bring it all the way down, he's a man, means basically up to his knees. Okay? And beyond the knees if he can. If it's too tight, meaning it's too small, then only around the waist. Okay? Only around the waist. bihi, Okay? So, um, this hadith is going to become very important in understanding the difference between the Hanafis and the other three imams when it comes to minimum clothing. So we'll come to that in a second. So, الْوَاحِدْ إِمَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ رِدَاءً بِهِ As I just said, so if you have one garment, then it's only going to be one chadar basically, which a person wraps himself in. وَقَدْ ثَبَتَ عَنَ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ And it has been narrated from the Prophet ﷺ uh, in Bukhari, uh, the hadith number 354, that he himself prayed in one thobe he, it has been narrated from Ibn Bukhari that he had an salla bihi, that he had one thobe and he covered himself in it. And if it is, uh, uh, you know, regardless of you know, uh, 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 how, how you define it, he prayed with that one. Now, if it is only a waist wrapper that you have, if it is only too short, then we have the hadith of Jabir, as I uh, mentioned. He said, in Canada, ضَيِّكًا فَاتَّذِرْ If it is too tight, then wrap it around the waist. That is a very important statement in law. Because it defines, therefore, automatically a minimum dress code. Okay? Because what's this, what's this chapter saying? That it is recommended to wear two. Whereas this hadith immediately makes it clear that if you only have a short piece of cloth, then wrap it around the waist, i.e. it is possible to pray in one piece of cloth. So, a person has literally one piece of cloth, he's allowed to pray in it. That's what the indication would be. So, it's sufficient to pray in one. And he goes, it doesn't matter whether it's big or small or so on and whatever. Um, one time, Jabir ibn Abdullah الله anhumah, he prayed in his izar. So, in his uh, sarong, okay? The bottom chadr. alright? He prayed in just that. يعني, and his top part. Was on the uh, the closed uh, horse, closed thingy. What's that thing called? Coat. Pe- uh, hanger. Uh, uh, coat hanger, coat hanger. Co- is the freestanding one the coat hanger? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, free- I, 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 it's important so that you understand it's a coat hanger because they didn't have their hooks, so they had like this kind of uh, you know uh, 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 pole, mm-hmm. and it had three like yeah. pegs, heads, whatever, whatnot. Okay. Because chef goes into uh, uh, some. Uh, uh, this is a classical word and he goes into some detail trying to explain what it is. <coughs> Straight away you can see that it's a coat hanger. Okay? So, here's the thing. So, he prayed in the one and his top uh, uh, garment, he was hanging on the clothes hanger. Okay? So, a man came to him for فَذَكَّرَهُ رَجُلٌ بِذَلِكَ <laughs> So, a man came to the Jabir whilst he was like this and he said to him, Hey, uh, your top half, is on the clothes hanger. So he goes to him, فَعَلْتُ هَذَا لِيْرَاهُ أَحْمَقُ مِثْلَكِ yani, I did this so an idiot like you can see. He goes, I left it there just so like an idiot like you, أَحْمَقْ yani, stupid يَعْنِي, yani, man. Okay, a fool. Fool, actually. I did that so a fool like you can see that I did that. I.e. Yani, like, e. to say, don't you think that I know that I'm not wearing my top uh, uh, thingy, and that, did you think that I forgot that? okay, it's always a statement of irritation, whatever you want to say, but it's, uh, uh, it's also a proof that amongst the companions, this is what they understood from the Sunnah, that even in the presence of a second, that's important, isn't it, okay, because we're going to talk about if you've got lots of clothing, should you or shouldn't you, what he has shown that is that even in the presence of extra clothing, he prayed like that and that was an intentional act. I just want to mention something. This is actually very common from the companions. That response isn't so common, by the way, but there is, have been a few of those boys, okay? Mm-hmm. Little barbs, yani, thrown back. Ibn Umar, Ibn Abbas, the younger ones, they used to... Actually, across the, the, the board, there used to be statements like that, often, where others would say, but you didn't do this, or you haven't done that, whatever, what not. And it's a case of the responses. I did it to teach a fool like you. Need to to make someone, to ask such a lame question or an obvious question. So this does happen. Okay, I want you to know. I tell you was interesting. Uh, what Sheikh Uthameen does here, he mentions that when uh, Jabir said "Ahmak," yeah, uh, fool, he means by fool "Jahil," you ignorant man. He doesn't mean it as a like a very offensive term. Okay, uh, he means he, because a Jahilun la سيء Yani, and even here, actually, he makes, he, he makes a point here. He says that, Shaykh I amin says that, he means that this person is an ignorant, foolish guy, not someone who is mentally disabled, or someone who is uh, not able to legally do transactions. Sayyid okay? at tasarruf means that, you see, one of the conditions when it comes to uh, interacting with people is that you need to know the basis of interaction. So with a person, if you can't speak to him, you know, you say silly things to him, your response is dependent upon whether this person is legally, you know, mentally stable or not. If he's he's mentally unstable and he says things to you, you're not meant to insult him or attack him or whatever. Whereas if a person is completely fine and he's saying silly things to you, then you have the right to say the same things back or escalate it further as the case may be. Likewise, in transactions and so on, if you're a shopkeeper and you are transacting with a person who doesn't know how to transact, this is a problem. And it can be illegal and it could be sinful, depending upon what happens as a consequence. Okay? I think it's just common sense, I think, this point. Anyway, what Sheikh says, he goes, I just want to explain to you that the Ahmaq, the foolish one, is the one who makes a mistake on purpose. يعني, يعني, uh, that's not the right way uh, he makes a mistake uh, knowingly? knowingly not on purpose knowingly okay uh, يعني, uh, the opposite of not knowing so knowingly yeah whereas المخدع the mistaken one yartakibuhu an wa whereas the ignorant one uh, sorry whereas the mistaken one as a title the مخدع the one who's mistaken it's a far more diplomatic and nice position to be in, okay, as, as such, is the one who does something ignorantly or says something out of ignorance unknowingly. Okay? Okay? Unknowingly. Is that clear? The difference, differentiation between the two? So a fool is the one who knowingly says something, okay, mistakenly, but he does it knowingly. So it's mistaken, but he does it knowingly, right? Ahmak. <laughs> So the Ahmaq is a person who is jahil. He is someone who makes a mistake, but he does it knowingly. Meaning it's not that out of, uh, uh, he, he has blame attached. وَالْمُخْدِعُ The one that is not yani, taken to account in any way, and not shouldn't be attacked for it, and shouldn't be embarrassed. The mistaken one, he's the one who does something out of ignorance unknowingly. And the murad of Jabir, and the intention of Jabir, of, of, when he said Ahmak, is jahil. And one of the other reasons for that, or one of the other proofs for that, is because he said the same, there's another narration of the same athar, the same narration, where he said, لِيَرَاهُ أَدْ So it wasn't so personal towards this guy. He said that I did that so that the ignorant people would observe. Okay, so it's not a direct statement to him. Yes. It doesn't mention. The narration does not actually mention whether he was praying a Nafal or a obligatory prayer. Okay? So we don't know. And obviously this is an important question. Was he praying a nafal or far? Because that is how, as you're going to see, the Fuqaha, they divided it up. What should you wear in Nafal? What should you wear in obligatory prayers? Is that a correct differentiation? We're going to look at that now. Okay. So then Shaykh Huthamim says, but there's no doubt. Okay. There's no doubt that to pray in two thobs is far better because this is more covering for the body and it's more safer. And it has been authentically narrated from Umar ibn Khattab, we're in the middle of page 165, uh, that he said, إِذَا اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمْ جَمْعَ رَجُلٌ عَلَيْهِ ثِيَابُهُ رَجُلٌ فِي إِزَارٌ an This narration has been narrated by Bukhari, hadith number 365. So this is, an, uh, this is a narration of Umar. Which has been collected by Bukhari It's authentic. And what did he say? He said that um, if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, uh, 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 what's the phrase? Yani uh, gives you money, uh, blesses you. What's the word? Yeah. What's the nice way of saying that? No, no. <laughs> yani if Allah shows, uh, you know, if Allah is generous towards you. Bountiful towards you. But that's... Not wants to. He has. Then you should do the same. Okay? Meaning the point, if Allah has given you wealth, then show it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? There's much better translation. Let's work out a nice translation. Come on. Allah <laughs> Linguistically translated is as if if Allah has opened things up for you, if Allah has opened things up for you, then you should open things up as well. Meaning, if Allah has made you wealthy, then don't be stingy. That's the actual translation of the hadith. Because as he's going to continue, it's about clothing for salah. So I, meaning, that if Allah has blessed you with lots of clothes, why the heck are you praying in a t-shirt? This is the point. If Allah has given you lots of clothes, why are you praying in one thobe? One Unacceptable. And, and that's why he then said, um, a, a man before you would g- gather all of his clothes. Okay? يَعْنِي جَمْعَ رجل عَلَيْهِ ثِيَابَهُ A man would pray in an izar and a rida. A man would pray in an izar and a qamis A man would pray, and the narration is long. Okay? So he's talking about combinations of what a man would do. Okay? So do you understand the meaning of the narration? If Allah has given you the ability, and I told you before that Allah didn't give that ability to the majority of the companions. They were majority poor, and they struggled to have two pieces of clothing to wear at the same time. Okay, So they would have to make do with one or they'd have to, you know, and I told you I think last week uh, about uh, going to Eid prayer, yes? That a woman would tear the jilbab in half and just so the other, did I not mention it? No. So where did I say that? No, know, that week before. Huh? Week before? Right, okay. So, yeah, and anyway, when the Prophet ﷺ, you know that uh, the Eid prayer is meant to be a major event. It's not meant to be held in a masjid. It's meant to be held outside in a Eid khana. Eidgah. Eidgah. Eidga. What a phrase that is. Okay. Eidgah. Okay. It's going to be held outside. And the whole point of it being outside, by the way, is that so everyone can come and there's no issues and there's no accidents, yani, and so on and so forth. Because all the women come, those who are yani, in the first, those who are menstruating, those who have had children, the older women, ex every single person comes out. And the Prophet ﷺ, he wants to encourage that, even to the extent that those who were too poor, and it was like, get, uh, lend them your jilbabs. Those who are in your homes who don't have it, then half your jilbab, tear your cloth in half and give them something to cover themselves with so that they all come out. So the idea was that... Um, Why am I mentioning that? Oh yeah, just to show their poverty. Okay, that that's what was, the com- it was a common practice, okay? So Amr is making it very clear that if you've got the ability, then wear it. And that goes back to what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, that especially ourselves, that we're into this kind of practice, right, of praying, yani yeah, in, you know, cut sleeves and t-shirts, especially, or shorts, or worst of all, night clothes, yeah, or things like that. And I get the whole idea of it being hot, this, that, whatever. Now, this is, it's like, this is the good example. If it's hot and you're outside, okay, and a man, for example, is in a t-shirt and a, uh, uh, shorts for example or three quarter lengths uh, I should say then he's outside and he's got no more clothes and so okay we say it's permissible for you to pray no problems no stress whatever but a person praying like that in a masajid at home in local communities that's not right yani, we wear a coat wear a jacket wear a thawb wear you know something else and uh, uh, we're not saying haram of course but we're saying that it's not right it's not good adab it's not good presentation of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you with yeah okay uh, aha tha ala annahu idha kana al insan fi sa'a fa afdal so this indicates if a person is wealthy then he must wear he should he should wear two thobes two garments and this is supported also by something else umar radiyallahu anhu asked the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ay yusalli ahaduna fi thawb al should one of us can one of us pray in just a thobe yani a single garment yeah, thob so always means garment. Yeah, can one of us pray in a single coat, uh, a garment? And the Prophet ﷺ said, "Awwalikulukum thoban." Do you actually do do all of you actually have two clothes, two garments? Yani, yani meaning, um, you know, of course not, because not all of you have two. So therefore, you have to at least uh, you know go with what you've got. So not all of you have two clothes or two garments. And so you can pray in one, and this therefore indicates Sheikh Al Tamim says that one is sufficient. But if a person is wealthy, then we must also show that wealth, and we should then, uh, uh, then also pray in two. But many of the, the the people at the time of the Prophet only had one garment, and they would pray in that one garment. Now Sheikh then says it's evident he says from the opinion of the author that to cover the head for the male, is a sunnah only. Okay? It is a, It is not, I beg your pardon, it's not a sunnah. Okay? It is not a sunnah. It is not required. Why? Because we've uh, the chapter is, it is recommended that in his prayer, he wears two garments. So we're now just talking about recommendation. So that's really interesting. Okay? So he's saying that if there are only two garments being recommended, then that would therefore mean that To wear the hat is not a sunnah either. It's not recommended to wear the hat either. Sheikh Uthameen says, however, we have enough narrations as we covered before Ibn Umar. Would you go outside like that in front of the people? So why then, you know, uh, 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 bareheaded? So why do you not then wear it? uh, standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We covered that a couple of weeks ago. Um, And so that therefore indicates, that Shaykh Uthameen said, that it is better for the male to cover the head. It is better for the male to cover the head, and he means that across the board. Okay? So, however, he then says that, but this is only really applicable in those cultures and societies, I think I mentioned that to you before, yes? Where covering the head is seen as a sign of nobility and maru'ah and, you know, quality and the right thing to do. Whereas in those places where to cover the head means nothing, or maybe even reduces from the, 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 the respect and the honor of a person, then it's not sunnah at all and it's not even better. Either does that make sense, everybody? Okay, it's not even better uh, either. But uh, yes, and then um, he says, the author: "Wayakfi satra fi As for the supererogatory prayers, okay, as for the nafil uh, uh, prayers, then it is sufficient just to cover the aura. It is sufficient just to cover the aura. So that basically means that just one yani, uh, cloth around the the, 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 you know, the waist would be sufficient. Okay? I.e. what's between the navel and the top of the knee. Other than who? Who, else would, who would be exempt from that? If I said to you that if the aura for the male is from the navel to the, the, above the knee. Right? Who's exempt from that? No, no. Talking about males. Young boys. And what would that be? under the age of seven, uh, to, uh, sorry, yeah, correct, under the age of ten, from seven to ten, it would be just covering the private parts, okay, the front and back, okay, and anything else that you would cover would definitely be sunnah for the child and for the adult, okay, in a nafal prayer. Now, this is according to the Hambalis. and then they said, as for the obligatory prayer, then you must cover one of the two shoulders. Then one of the two shoulders must be covered in the obligatory prayer. we can say as Sheikh says, Satra al salawat Basically, any obligatory prayer, like the five obligatory prayers and the uh, uh prayer, if a person did not cover his shoulder, one of the two shoulders, then he would be sinful and he says Sheikh says that uh, also according to the author because he hasn't clarified because he only said Fard and he didn't say Fard al-Ain this would mean the same ruling for the Janazah prayer and for the Eid prayer and uh, any other uh, uh, Fard kind of prayer which is not Fard al-Ain obviously Eid prayer is a discussion but um, does that make sense yeah that's according to the author now we need to talk about this okay first of all let's define what's going on the Okay, the atiq is the shoulder. It is the place from the shoulder blade, which is there, to the neck. So, this part must be covered. Okay, what's the evidence for that? The Prophet ﷺ, he said that, (laughs) لا يصلينا أحدكم في الثوب الواحد ليس على عاتقه منه شيء. And in another narration, (laughs) ليس على عاتقه منه شيء. So, uh, Yani, the Prophet ﷺ said In one narration Let not one of you pray Except that he has got something on his shoulder And in another narration Let not one of you pray Except that he has something on one of his shoulders Okay? On his shoulders Now um, There is The scholars did not differ between one and two Because the uh, the meaning here Is that on one of his shoulders So it doesn't matter whether you say On his shoulder or one of his shoulders. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's the hadith. This hadith is narrated by Imam Bukhari, hadith number 359. Hadith 359, the full taqlid is on page 150. Here's the point that's a hadith. Okay. And despite this hadith, you see that the Hanbalis and the scholars, uh, some scholars, but the Hanbalis certainly, they said in Nafal, one ruling, obligatory, one ruling. Does the hadith mention anything about nafal or obligatory? It just says that not one of you should pray, except that you should cover your shoulder. He didn't say that in a nafal or in obligatory and so on. However, what did the Hanbalis do? They took this into action almost, or they applied it in the obligatory only, because they said in the nafal it is not required. Yes? And what does Sheikh Uthameen say? He goes, something which is important from an point of view. He goes, وَحَاذَا a'ammu min al that this evidence is actually far more wider and broader and to be applied across the board than how people understood it. Yani the hadith indicates that it should be towards nafal and fard whereas the scholars or the fuqaha or the humblies in this case, they only applied it to the farth prayer. So that's something which is important. Okay, Here we have some inconsistency. So therefore the sheikh then says, sheikh Uthameen, he goes that this is... This is not right. This is actually a deficiency and not applying the hadith properly. Because the if the نص, this is a good قَهِدَةَ لِأَنَّهُ إِذَا النَّصُ عَلَى حُكْمَ عَامٍ ثُمَّ If a hadith indicates a ruling which is general or broad and you only apply it in a specific sense, then you have then uh, uh, interacted with this hadith in a deficient fashion. You've only applied half the hadith and not, not in its entirety. Okay? That is why. إِذَنْ إِنَّ الْعَامْ, العام يَجِّبُ لَعَمَلَ illa إِلَّا بِدَلِيلِ Therefore, وَلَا دَلِيلٌ هُنَا the, and This is important again from a, a, from a progression point of view, usul Therefore, it is obligatory to apply a general hadith, all of it, all the time, Unless there is an evidence that specifies it to specific scenarios. And there is no such evidence. I repeat that again. It is obligatory when a hadith is general that it has to be applied in its generality, in its entirety, in all factors, in all scenarios. Unless there is a specific evidence which leads to an exception. Or says that it's only to be applied in this moment or to this person or this time. And in the absence of such a specifying evidence, the arm, the general, remains the the general and is to be applied generally. Okay? So therefore, therefore, this hadith should apply in the fard and the nafal. This hadith that none of you should pray except that he has something on his shoulders, it should be there. And to differentiate between them goes against the meaning of the hadith. And then, therefore, we say that you should cover the shoulder regardless of what prayer you are praying if you are going to use this hadith as an argument listen to me carefully because things are going to take a big right turn okay if we're going to use this hadith to indicate that it is obligatory to cover your shoulder then it should be the case for both the nafil prayer and the obligatory prayer is that part clear okay that is the hanafi position all right that is the hanafi position that this hadith is super clear no messing about no differentiation between prayers You've got to cover it in the fard prayer. You've got to cover it in nafl prayer and the story. Also, Sheikh mentioned something here. يَدُلُّ عَلَى سَتْرِ جَمِيعًا He goes also, according to the madh'ab, according to the Hanbali madh'ab, the hadith, they stated uh, 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 as the evidence, this hadith Bukhari, indicates that both shoulders should be covered. Both shoulders should be covered. So when a person is praying, both should be covered. Okay. That's according to what the Imam says. The second opinion on this matter, wal al in the issue, is an al sunnah. That actually to cover the shoulders is sunnah from the beginning. Regardless of whether you're praying any yani, obligatory or, not, or whatever, actually the action itself is not obligatory. There's no difference between fard, nafal, nothing. There is no differentiation between the prayers. Just the action itself is a sunnah. Why? Because of the hadith of Jabir that we said. If the cloth that you have, the single garment that you have, is so small and tight, then only use it as a waist wrapper and that is sufficient. So you can see now what's going on. Right? This is obviously fiqh in action. You have two hadith, okay, which would seem to contradict one another. You can't at one hand say that this hadith is authentic and therefore it is, uh, it is yani, enough to pray in one garment. And then at the same time then say the other hadith is authentic and is obligating you to cover both shoulders. You're going to have to come up with an explanation, okay. The majority of the scholars came up with that explanation. They said that this hadith indicates sunnah, even though the phraseology is quite strong. Let not one of you pray except that he covers his shoulder. Okay? That is. But that would, they would say this is for emphasis, not yani for obligation. And that's why the majority of scholars, they, they flitted between two sub-positions. They said that this, this is just a sunnah, or, which is the top position of this class, which is my position as well, which is that it is makrooh to pray with your shoulders uncovered. Okay, if you have the ability to cover. If you have the ability to cover, then to pray with your shoulders uncovered is makruh. And why not haram? Why not haram? And even by the way, those that even said it is obligatory to cover the shoulders, you can imagine what the ruling is. They said that the person has done a haram, but the prayer is valid. And that's important again to differentiate. That certain actions that are not part of the actual prayer itself, but rather for the personal responsibility in the sin. Okay, anyway. So, this is a person, if he has the ability, and in the class position, if he has the ability, then he has to cover his shoulders. If he doesn't, it's makrooh. If he doesn't, according to the Hanafis, then he's done haram, but the prayer is valid. You might ask, what's your explanation for the hadith? Why is it not obligatory? We said that what the hadith means, and this is what the majority of scholars said, this is what Imam Nawawi said, that's what the Shafi'i said, that's what so many said, is that the shoulders are being covered not because of the covering of the shoulders. Yeah, the ruling is not because of the actual thing itself, but what it leads to. I.e. the idea is, just like in Ihram, the shoulder is just for you to be able to tie up from the back. Okay. Yeah, the aim is to make sure that the bottom part doesn't fall down. Meaning the function is to ensure that whatever you're wearing that's covering the key aspect of your aura, by hooking it around the neck, All right. there is now guarantee that it's not going to come down. Does that make sense? Yes? Remember, don't think of ihram in the way that how flimsy it is useless, yeah? I'm talking about Tarzan proper. Yeah, so you, you, you know, or sumo wrestling or whatever it is. I don't know. Oh, no, no, not the big belt. So, then, so that's yeah. not what I mean then. What's the one where they tie up properly? Am I just dreaming? Is that a sport that I've just made up, yeah? yeah. Okay, take it, no problem. So, so yani what I mean is that that chadir, yani that's going around, if you imagine that it was a big piece of cloth, but it's a single piece of cloth, you've got two options. Yeah? Let's say you're gonna go one piece of cloth. Take? What's the best way to cover your body with one piece of cloth? Come on, let's hear it. Around the waist. Around the waist like a towel. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a risk, yara. Someone just do that behavior and it's it all over. How can you? I never done it, I'm not gonna lie. So I can't tell you exactly. Both shoulders. I'm gonna say, uh, how what if we have a model and are We are we so? Bob's. Yeah. Why don't you come here? Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> we need to we need. To it's too tall. Too tall. is the a child. Yeah, I know. I'm saying. Bob's is, Bob's is perfect. <laughs> I let you. I let you wear the clothes. <laughs> I'm not gonna. T- I'm not gonna take off the rest of your clothes. <laughs> you can. You can. You can keep these clothes on. Shazad is not here. Wallah, I would, you know, I would, you know, Shazad be dying right now, yes. But because the guy did a legger and he and he sneaked out, did you see a little sly one when he went out, yeah. So obviously, Bobby Jay, listen, the, <laughs> the guy puts on the headphones, customer. me, unbelievable. Okay, all right. If we're not gonna have a volunteer. Yeah, bagel, you are, unbelievable. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna be honest. I can't work out the double. I can. I ain't right, on there. Fred Flintstone style. Yeah, like t- oh, yeah if you got that, a big... That, that, that's that, who I was thinking of. Fred like, Flintstone. Yeah. That's who I knew I was thinking of something. I said sumeruses. I don't know why. Maybe it looks like sumeruses. Maybe. Yeah, he wears it around one. Oh, and then like, at the side. At the side. But then he has, he has that leopard skin thing around the... The... the, <laughs> that's the cutter. That's on one. That's not two pieces. Is it one? No, It's like the a tonka. The, the no, Fred Flintstone yeah, has it on both sides. He has it on both shoulders. Yara, yeah, someone bring a picture up right now. We have one shoulder over there. He's saying it's one piece of cloth. We have Yani yeah, Fred Flintstone fan from Canada saying no, it's on both shoulders. We have yeah. Where is that? I can't see Yara. Yeah, it's gone now. It's gone. Bring it back up, man. Huh? Where is it? Both shoulders. <laughs> <brothers? laughs> you thinking he's wife? That's both shoulders. What's that good thing about anything?
1: So, I, I, I was <laughs> thinking his
0: wife, I think. I think. <laughs> but that's actually quite a good thing. His, his knees are covered, takriben. <laughs> like a caveman. Yeah. Like... There you go. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. that. Your yeah. wife does it all at all. I think In you're time? thinking of Toba the Greeks will... Toga, Greek toga. You yeah, to like, yeah, someone put up Greek toga. Look up Greek toga. Yeah, it's, getting <laughs> it's getting out of hand, yeah. <laughs> there could be any some things that come up. Don't put this. Don't put the Google searches on Yani, okay? Just. <laughs> right. da, yeah. yeah. I don't don't tra- I don't trust you either. Okay. If Shazada was here, you know that he would be a filter. But you, <laughs> Yani, young, young Javan. Yeah, So how's that working then? Is that one piece? It can't one piece. It can't be one channel. Okay, so we got this guy here. Okay, uh, that looks like One Piece. Can you see that? Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. That's what you meant. Yeah. What's that? That's where the belt, right? You? You that's where the belt? What? belt. Yeah, he's got the belt, but I don't think the belt's playing much of a role there. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like one of those. You know, there's women belts. <laughs> you know, that has no function. Nah, mm. uh-huh, this is the one, yeah. This is the one. That's, the belt's holding. Oh no, that's cheating. <laughs> No, that's a fit. No, yeah, I can't put it on screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me that, yeah, this guy and he's in some <laughs> ugly, <laughs> ugly machine, whatever. I can't, I can't, I can't put that guy on here. Yeah. I mean, the sisters were like, "What the heck?" <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I think um, anyway. The point is, yes. The modern day equivalent of a t teacher in the British public is the modern day. No, no. Listen, bro. Don't even <laughs> get me started on thingy. That's next week's lesson, but no, no. Week after's lesson. Don't, bro, I got to a town on on, 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 the, on the crack attack, as I call it, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that in detail. Don't worry. So this issue of the thingy, the point is, the point is, what's this one? Sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah. Why are we not thinking like that? This is your Greek toga. That's what I said. No, that's not one. But I mean, look, that could be one sheet, I don't know. Is that one sheet? That's a big sheet, though. It's a big sheet, isn't it? How does sari work? Who's Indian? Say, tell us about the know. thingy. I know the sari. It's a massive long <laughs> piece It goes round like the waist. Yeah. For women, from like navel to like the ankle, and then the extra goes over one shoulder. And then tied. Yeah. So yeah. sari. The way the way it goes round the waist keeps it up that you can just flick it over one shoulder. It'll, it'll wait! 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 Is a sari one piece or not? One piece. Right. So, but huh? It has a top with it. And this is obviously from men, and the petticoat underneath as well. Yeah, that's that's. No, no, no. Forget all the petticoats and forget all the underwear and forget <laughs> undergarments <laughs> and forget <laughs> the style. <laughs> just, I just want to understand the sari, yani, mentality. Is it like what I understand, which is that it's very long, yeah. Yeah. until you start going around the important part, okay, right? Yeah. That's done. Yeah. Then what happens? Then it goes off one shoulder, over on shoulder. Yeah. and then it's the other blues part, then it can't drape, man. How drape can it drape? What if it falls off? it's definitely tied, connected. Yeah, when it goes over. See, I knew I Don't trust no women. Look how me when And tied? No. So how does it stay up then? Because it's pleated. You took it in. You can hold no, it to the end if you wrap it, it. Okay, it's tucked in. I mean, my point is, is that you can't say that it's just loose like that. Happy ears. Allah, me. how if that, that falls up, off? It, it, it It's just it a right. Listen to me, you absolute pack here. Yeah? Okay, <laughs> this thing here, right? However tight the end, this part is on my rest of my body. Yeah, this is loose, yes? I don't care what I do to myself here. Unless this is either tucked in, or gone around, or it's the, it's yeah, long. yeah, or very long that's gone all the way around and somehow touching in some way another piece of cloth, either clipped or pinned or tucked or tied into a knot, there is no way women are walking around that thing with the possibility of doing that. <laughs> that's why I, I think she is right, though. Have use, have the so that's something else I'm, I told you no assumptions of undergarments i assuming for a man obviously no undergarment needs to be worn no no I'm <coughs> saying assuming for a man woman it doesn't matter let's assume that there's no undergarments we're just trying to understand the structure sure. I think the structure would be that you'd have your thingy go round round and round But you'd have a little bit loose piece yeah. here which would probably end up here okay yeah. loose yeah. piece here okay. then the loose part would then go round there it go around the and then you'd come back down to your waist and then you'd either tie it there with that other loose part or maybe even a few other turns around and that's it meaning now meaning that whatever happens you don't just have a bottom part that could be pulled you're going to have to deal with the shoulder part first as well yeah. you know what i'm saying I'm gonna have to go the oh my god here we go I just unbelievable so women throw an idea of a size <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a bit of drama.
0: I know what I'm doing. Yeah? no, no. Should Listen, I'm willing to be corrected. You're right. You could have been the round the waist. Yep. Going up Yep. On the shoulder. Yep. Back here. Back here. All right. We right. go around, here, around the waist again, for example. I've never seen a sari. You, you, you no. Oh, no, no. Maybe not a sari then. But what I'm saying is that we're trying to understand my understanding of the hadith and what the scholars understood. their argument is, involve the shoulder, then you've got a, a much greater chance of keeping the garment up. That's basically what they're saying. Could be tucked in. Yeah. The tucked in. The, uh, well, obviously this is not applying to a woman, even though we use the sari. I'm, I didn't use the sari as a dress choice. I used the sari as a, as a, as a model for the practical how it works. But even that's, yeah, that's quite a long piece of cloth. There is a long piece of cloth. So <coughs> I think that there has to be some other version. So if you have like a chadar straight, yeah. Yep. You have three holes in there. One in the middle. No. So this is not holes. For the Ho- yeah, that is not holes, because holes are easy. You right. just need one hole, or you have even better, three holes. Three, okay. Yeah, we're not talking about holes. We're talking about uh, that. Although, even though that's an option, and even though that was worn. But I, I, wanted, I want you to know that that was so simple. Yeah, I'm saying that you're like 2,000 years before that you are. Yeah, that <laughs> was proper clothes at the time of the Prophet I I don't want people to understand like we were all walking around a caveman. Yeah, that we have to literally make a hole. The idea is that we don't have clothes, not that we don't have the ability to. Yeah, need, yeah, yeah Make clothes. Do you understand know what I'm trying to say? This is yeah. I need, uh, this Fred Flintstone is only because they had no idea how to shape a cloth. That's why it'd be a hole and whatever, whatnot. So when I'm saying that they were using a cloth, it would be insult to basically have uh, a sheet which would make a hole in it and just stick it over your head. Because that would basically be you saying that I'm either you know a caveman, or you know it's 2017 and that's only the, the new black and new fashion, God knows what. because yeah? that's what they do, isn't it? That's what they do on the, on the on the fashion thing, or the. a very long <coughs> like you to yeah. that you mentioned before. Yeah. Anyway, the point. The, listen, let's, let's not lose the point. The point is that um, the idea is that you're meant to cover your body in the safest way possible with this hadith Okay, your aura as much as possible what's, a concluding, yani, uh, what's our conclusion? someone give me my conclusion it is encouraged. for a male it's encouraged to, cover the, shoulders. It's encouraged to cover, cover the shoulders and then in general and then specifically men who have the ability that they've got clothes and whatever they should cover, cover, cover basically in today's time in the majority of places one cannot and should not get away with this kind of thing okay, simple as that if it then does come down to it then legally speaking, a man, as I said right at the beginning four weeks ago, a man can pray literally in a towel. A man can literally pray in a towel. Yes? So what about a short, sweet frog like this? Yeah, he shouldn't be praying like this. It's not good. He should have a jacket on uh, to cover his uh, thinking, <coughs> cover arms, all the time. All the time. Where's your jacket? Show me your jacket, bro. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But as we said, we don't want to make, we don't want to, we do want to, we do want to make it clear that this is an issue of adab. There's no sin in praying like that. It's just that we said, we said that it's not right. And I told you that it, it psychologically has an impact. And I, I, I would like to literally keep repeating this every week, okay? Especially when people like yourselves, you got to understand one thing. By the way, you know when you study a class, okay? We don't want to get lost in the fiqh. okay? The whole point is is that the people who study are meant to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a higher standard that's required from these people. And so, uh, even though we are the people who study law, and when you study law, you can actually get away with a lot more than the awam because you know legal minimums, legal things, you know know, uh, uh, people out there were doing things and you know that this is unnecessary. However, when you're studying the law, then the law is obviously to take you to a place where you are closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're more... Wanting to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So uh, this is one of these occasions where, and it's rare when you study law, because it's such a dry subject to make this point. This is that point that we have reached in the books of fiqh, or one of the uh, positions, where we should think very carefully about what the law is trying to make us do. So when I said to you that it is not good to pray in t-shirts and this and that, whatever, we are the ones who established that it is legally acceptable. However... However, we are also the people who know that salah is what you put into it, psychologically is what you put into it. If you refuse to go to the masjid in the morning, you are already chopping your legs off before you are even attempting to pray in front of Allah. You're already automatically saying to yourself that I'm giving myself more time for my breakfast, or I want to get back into my bed and get to sleep, etc., etc. So the level of preparation is different. I told you the way you present yourself is different. The way that you know you're going to go too much in front of other people, the way that, that way is different. The people who pray at home, the majority of them, if they're honest with themselves, they don't brush their teeth, they don't clean themselves properly. They don't yani, they perfume themselves. They certainly put, don't put on full clothes. Maybe they don't even get changed at all. Yeah? And as we said, none of these are obligatory. All of these things I mentioned are sunnah. But if we are genuinely concerned and studying the law so that we can perfect acts of worship like prayer, where you're standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we must think to ourselves, okay, how is it that we would want to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And how is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seeing us? And that fajr prayer is so important. We know psychologically how much it affects us. A good morning is always with a good fajr prayer, okay? Everything kicks off in yani, right way. you come to the masjid, get fajr done, you're like a lion. The rest of the day you can do anything and everything. Right? And the people who miss the fajr prayer, yani in the masjid, or miss the fajr prayer at all, that start is a disaster, mentality is a disaster, your work and yani, productivity is all yannin, whatever. There's no blessing in it. You might think, oh, I got two, three extra hours sleep because I woke up at nine, for example. Yeah, and I missed my alarm, or whatever. And yeah, you're more rested, but your day is not more blessed. Your day is not more blessed. And we are a nation that believes in blessing. That's something very important, especially at a time where empiricism has gone through the roof, meaning that everyone wants to see things and, and you know scientifically. If you don't see it, then we don't believe in it. I, I can't see God, and I can't see angels, and I can't say there's no need for me to believe. In a time where this is going through the roof, this belief, okay, the Muslims are the exact opposite. We believe we believe more, and I've said this so many times, and I'll keep saying this, we believe more in the ghaib than the shahada. The two worlds that are the seen and the unseen. We believe more in the unseen, because the seen is full of deception. The seen is tiny. The seen is pathetic, يعني, what our eyes see. And our eyes are deceiving us all the time. We make mistakes all the time. yani you know, just what we perceive to be the truth and we actually look a bit closer or some information comes and we realize subhanahu a massive mistake but the unseen, that's what life's all about, Jannah, Jahannam the prophets, the angels, the, the everything, yani. so it's very very important that mentality, psychology that goes into the Salah, that's why it's no surprise why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala focuses more on that than the general awrah for the, for the person in the for, with respect to the prayer that's why we said that the approach to the prayer is make yourself beautiful because you feel beautiful, you look beautiful, you feel beautiful, you smell beautiful, and so you stand and enjoy the moment. You know what I'm saying? You respect the moment that you're in. You take all these little small factors away. They're only small, but they do, you know, they do, they do uh, 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 ratchet up. Okay? So, uh, just now, just to quickly just get to this uh, uh, next page and get this section done. Her prayer is an adira. وصلاةُها في وخمارٍ okay. so her prayer is in a what was the translation? what have I done? i would i would have thought a shirt. What it? A head, a head covering. and a garment covering the rest of the body. so shirt, a head covering, and a, and a garment covering the rest of the body. very good, okay. so this is now talking about what it is what is sunnah sunnah guys not obligatory. This is sunnah, mustahab, recommended for a woman to pray, to wear when she's praying. Is that clear? What is the dirr? The dirr is a qamis al-sabiq yasu'ul al qadamain. Yani the dirr is some kind of dress which basically is baggy and long, and it covers, it reaches the feet. It reaches the feet, which is the abaya. Okay, it is absolutely what we know as an abaya. It doesn't have a head part. It's the body part, okay? What you might even call it kind of like, uh, anyway, like a dress. Well, the chimar, is basically what which covers around the head, okay? Which goes around the head, our head covering, whatever you want to call it. And the milhafa, ما يلف على الجسم كله كالعباء وما The milhafa is the is basically the Pakshadar. That's what it is. Yeah, and if we're going to go linguistically speaking, then what our women wear, pack women, the big chadar that goes on top of their shalwar kameez, okay, that's the milhafa. It covers the body around all over, okay? And it's also known as the jilbab, it's also known as an abaya as well, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a second layer, okay? It's a second layer, okay? Because we're not, I told you, underwear and all this kind of stuff, it's not a known factor. Hot environment, not so yani uh, 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 cold. Not need for yani uh, extra garments of clothes either. And certainly, from a money point of view, they couldn't afford it. So, at a sunnah level, two yani uh, levels is good. As you can imagine, people who've got more should cover more, without a shadow of a doubt. And last week we even spoke about yani uh, you know women and their clothing, about going out, etc. and so on. You know, it's important to understand this issue about jilbab. Okay, this jilbab outside. And trying to avoid yeah, any clothes which which outline the uh, limbs and the parts of the body is a no no It should be avoided. Now that does not mean that they uh, 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 you know it's just literally a piece of cloth, you know, and you just just one big piece of cloth which covers and makes shapeless. No, it means that it should not be skin tight, it shouldn't show, yeah, any whatever. Because a jacket is fine. You see, a jacket arm. Okay, you know, we, saw, we covered all these hadith last week, didn't we? That the Prophet ﷺ said that make sure she wears something underneath it so it doesn't show the bone, yeah? doesn't show the joint, doesn't show the whatever. Now, that's not possible right? to uh, avoid with clothing. Everything shows. Does that make sense? Yeah. So even this, which is quite baggy, okay, still shows my arm, still shows that I'm bending there, doesn't it? It shows uh, you know, whatever. But the point is, it's not like this, is it? It's not showing like this. So it's clear that the hadith is indicating that you're not meant to have something. So therefore a woman, if she's wearing like a jumper and another jumper or carding another or a coat or a jilbab, which is you know, just generally loose, this is acceptable. You know, we're, just, we're talking tailored clothing is of course acceptable because we don't want people just walking around in you know, big sheets of cloth. Yes, so tailored is fine. But you know, just showing the legs, for example, that's unacceptable. Yeah, we shouldn't do that. And uh, this, is kind of, this is, as we said before, the prayer is valid. The scholars then differed whether the action itself is haram or makru. Is it haram or is it makru? The action itself. Okay? And I personally think that makru is probably closer to the actual sin, quote unquote. Okay? If there is to be a legal ruling, you know, on a woman who is wearing who's covering the aura completely but is tight. I think this is makru as opposed to haram. Okay? And there are a number of scholars. And I think that's Sheikh Utaymin's personal position as well. As for the Salah, it is valid, and there's a consensus on that. Okay? now what's happening here? The Sunnah, according to the Hanbalis, is to wear these three things: a cloth on the head, okay, a khimar, which is covering everything, and so on. Dir khimar mil and Sheikh says that uh, trousers weren't mentioned. An undergarment 's not mentioned that 's the key here isn 't it yeah that there 's actually nothing going around the waist yes there 's nothing going around the legs here, as you can see it 's one long dress and then effectively another long dress okay so there 's no trousers there 's no thingy and that just goes as again to emphasize the point I said this is a minimum that we 're talking about, okay a minimum in our time, of course, anyway, why is this what is recommended? It is recommended because of what has been narrated from Umar radiallahu an and Aisha radiallahu anha and Umsalama radiallahu anh, uh, anh, and uh, you'll see in footnote number one that you've got a number of references. So I'm just going to quickly go through these, okay, so we can finish this sub-chapter. Um, what is narrated by in the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shaiba, and I've told you many times before, if you want to find these gems of how the companions used to dress, pray, work, live, whatever companions, mostly, okay, then the Musannafat are your, your, your gold mines. The Musannaf, the, the collection of Ibn Abi Shayba, Abu Bakr ibn Abi Shayba, and the Musannaf of Abdul Razak al San'ani. These are the two famous Musannafat, okay? And these collections are very, very early connections. So they are, Yani, at the same time, actually earlier than most books of Hadith. And a lot of the narrations in there are authentic. Many are not authentic as well, but you need to know that, okay? So it is narrated by uh, Abu Bakr ibn Abi Shayba in his, chapter of the, in his book of prayer, in the chapter of, in the subchapter of uh, The Woman. How many garments does she pray in? That uh, hadith number is, uh, Athar number is 6167. But it's also been narrated in Bayhaqi as well. And and Umar bin Khattab, that he said, the woman prays in three garments the dir'ah, the shirt, the khimar, the head covering, and the izar, the waist wrapper. Okay? Izar. As I said to you, this izar is a generic phrase. So therefore, by definition, the izar of the woman would have to be longer than that of the man, because it's having to cover more of the uh, leg. Okay, And Ibn Kathir said that its chain is authentic according to, the, uh, uh, according to the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim. Okay, And it has been narrated by Abdul Razak al-San'an, um, Volume 3, uh, Narration 128. And it's also been uh, narrated by Abu Bakr ibn Abi Shaiba. Uh, in the same chapter, Hadith 6168, on the authority of Ali ibn Abi Talib, he said that the woman should pray in a baggy shirt and a khimar. Okay, a baggy shirt, sabigh, long baggy. Now here's interesting thing, thats only two that's been mentioned. Yes, two. But the fact that he emphasized the, or the size and the bagginess of the shirt proves like almost that it's covering the role of the abaya as well, if that makes sense, Okay. I uh, And Aisha radiallahu anha was there. Do you agree with that? And she said, yes, he has spoken the truth. He has spoken the truth. Yeah, and she was happy with what Ali said. That's also important, okay? Because you know the companions between them, they are not always agreeing on things. And it's also narrated by Abdul Razak and by Ibn Abi Shayba 6171. But it's also been collected by Imam Abu Dawood as, well, as a hadith as well, But uh, 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 from Um Salama. That she said that... A woman prays in a khimar and a baggy shirt, which at least covers the top parts of the feet. And that's been narrated from Abdullah ibn Abbas and Abdullah ibn Umar and Umm Habiba and Maymuna ibn Tulharith, and so on and so forth. You'll see all of these narrations in the Musannaf. So, those are the evidences which show that it is a good thing to pray in these dresses or in, in, in these garments. However, Sheikh Uthaymeen says that if she was to only pray with a head covering and some kind of shirt it would be sufficient and 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 acceptable لكن however it must be that she must cover the hands with gloves and that she must cover her feet with socks or something like that because the humblies themselves have obligated the covering of that so if you do pray in two garments just a head covering and a shirt then the woman, the, according to the humblies, would then have to also then add third and fourth garment, which would be a glove and a sock. Because, as I said, they, in their method, they cover it. Okay? However, according to the more, yani, stronger opinion which we have chosen, and it's also the position of Ibn Taymiyyah and Abu Hanifa, as we know, and Sahib al-Insaf uh, as well, that it is not obligatory to cover the hands and the feet and therefore it is sufficient to say that a woman could pray. Now, if we're going to come down to the bare bones, okay, it is sufficient to say that a woman can pray in a shirt that is up to the feet, the top of the feet, and up to the wrists. <inaudible> so its sleeves come to the wrists, and its thing goes to the, its length is to the top of the feet. OK? and then the final statement plus the khimar. Uh? Khimar. khimar obviously plus the khimar obviously and the khimar of course is not yani what you see uh, you know some of the more kind of modern kind of interpretations of hijab yani which is and that's why i've told you a million times hijab is not a cloth hijab is yani what you create out of all of these clothes Okay? The problem is is that hijab has now become a cloth and therefore people misunderstand. That's why whatever they put on their head they call it a hijab. No, it's not hijab, hijab is what you present as. The khimar itself is the variations. Okay, so you see the American American actually also I've seen it in many other places as well. Actually in Egypt more than anything else, frankly. And that is where people just literally use it as a cap. So the ears are showing and the, like a turban, mm-hmm. yeah, neck is showing and so on and so forth. The khimar, by definition, has to cover the head, cover the ears, cover the, the neck, and come over to the chest area, by its definition. It doesn't have to, Yani, uh, as we said, we're talking bare minimums, technically, it could stop there, and then the dirah could then start. But then, of course, if it exposes skin, then it would be a problem. So the final statement, وَيُجْزِئُ سَتْرْ عَوْرَتِهَا and the bare legal minimum for her is just to cover her aura. What is the author trying to say? After what I've said, what's the, aura, the, the, the author trying to say? One piece. One cloth, one woman, if she was to get one piece of cloth, big chadar, and she started at her head, and then she just went this way, that way, whatever, and it went all the way down to her feet, that's it. That's all that's required. Just like the male took one cloth and puts it around his waist, job done. Does that make sense? Okay. So it's nice and simple that what is obligatory is always just the awrah, whatever covers it. Okay? Whatever covers it. And then the sunnah is to keep increasing, increasing, increasing to make it look nice. For the female, it's a little bit different. For the female, it's the awrah in both scenarios. Okay? But the difference is is that one cloth, which is cheap and thin or something like that, as long as it gets the job done. And then versus, yeah, what she should be doing, which is the same amount of body covering, but far better. Far more complete, far more different, uh, uh, for far extra types. So his last sentence, he says, um, uh, and he goes, what's interesting here, and I like this point, okay, which shows why it was not right before, is that he did not differentiate between the nafal pra and the fard prayer for the woman. But did you see how he did that for the male situation? And this is the correct approach. Okay, he goes, this time they got the correct approach, which they didn't make up a difference for the the Nafal. The same as the Fardal Nafal, it's the same for that. And that is that, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so we are now in a whole new section, which we will cover uh, next time, inshallah. Let's do questions. Let's get the online questions up as well, and then we'll discuss. And also, it's something which is important, uh, I know that uh, it got a little bit late, but uh, no, we're not late yet. But um, there are some important announcements Especially for local guys, okay, for local folks. After the thingy, so I need to mention a few things. So just before you run off, yeah. So he said for men, it's better to wear two pieces. Yes. What are you talking about now? You're talking about then, or you're you talking about legally? you talking about now today, because I just want to mention another point. Okay, mm-hmm. there is a. Uh, this is important for you guys. This is really important. so I want you to listen carefully. You know the way that we study fiqh. It is now coming under increasing criticism. Okay increasing criticism and there's a valid point to the criticism and that is that you're going and applying the the ways of the old and the the, the traditional kind of system going through books that haven't been that were written a thousand years ago for a time that's there and doing it in a manner which you're going through the evidences and it's irrelevant the majority of people say they don't have attention span they don't care they don't follow madhabs, they whatever they just want to know you know what is modern whatever and um That's theoretically. And then practically, that's a theoretical argument or ideological one. Then they say practically, look at your lessons compared to, yani, the ones that you would do uh, like in a seminar form. So, I mean, I do both. Right? This is my traditional circle, my long-term one to make proper students of knowledge. That's why I understand it. And as for the people that need That Islamic culture and Islamic education, which they're not able to get out to, and they are coming from different backgrounds, uncontrolled environment, then we have one day seminars, we have, you know, uh, weekend courses, and there it's a very different flex. We don't care about structure, we look at professional, you know, techniques and we perfect it according to modern day education. How is it that people want to see the religion and digest it? And the attendance there is far more, and far more people benefit from that uh, approach. And so, what I want to say is that these, and so therefore, you, you will get criticism of your, the way that you're studying this through a book, old books, you're taking years and years. I want to say to you that, um, and therefore, it was just, it just uh, you, you, you prompted me because of your question. You're recommending two garments, okay? You're recommending two garments, and that phrase. Would be yes, of course, if we're sticking about the text, which is what he's talking about legally. But if someone asked me that, I would not even talk about two garments. Who would today talk about two garments? You know what I'm trying to say? And if therefore I'm going to respond to a fiqh question of the people in a way where I would never, ever, ever discuss shoulders or garments, whatever. Now you can see the strength of the opposing argument, which is that why are you guys just flapping around in the legal realities of two garments and covering shoulders when today no one ever is in a situation like that. And the response to that, I want you to know, is that the law, when it's studied, is not meant to be, yeah, every second meant to be covering. It's the job of the scholars and the students to apply <coughs> what the legal, legal reality is to a modern-day scenario. Yeah, you learn what is the Hadith? You learn the context of the time, but you don't answer according to the context of that time. You aren't answer to the current context. So don't let the was worse be against you. That this is a backwards way of learning. It's not at all. This is actually the complete way of learning. Yes, it's not going to be as quick or satisfying or whatever. And that's why the numbers are much much smaller and the dedication required is far far greater. Okay, right? Yeah. So according to the text. Yes. Uh, with the Kamis with the crotch to the knees, going no, to the vent. You don't, and then what happens when you usually ask your name? He you says, Wear the orf of your place. Yes. But then the orf of this with modern design is, is all the shirts appear. Yes. Correct. So, which one do you follow? so, so that, that's a very good question. Do you look old fashioned. Yeah, so, that, so, so that's a very good question because it allows us to clarify this idea of urf. When we are addressing to the urf and not yani appearing out of place, okay, I said to you, all of you before, that this principle is restricted by the sharia. So, for example, uh, the urf of the people is to walk around in bikinis these days. So it's not that the women should now walk around in bikinis, yes? So there is a legal reality which always trumps yani, the actual uh, uh, urf. So that's the first rule. That applies to men as well. If the urf suddenly became wearing, you know, shaitan or skull and crossbones or whatever, I don't know, whatever, then we'd say, well, you know, keep your urf and we'll just wear plain whatever. See, that's the first thing. The second thing is is that if the urf doesn't contradict something from an Islam point of view, but it does contradict or create yani, a problem in acts of worship, then acts of worship will come first. So that's why we say that, like, like last week I mentioned, that trousers is a big phrase for men. But there's a big difference wearing those, you know, those, you know that, that flipping, that disgusting metrosexual behavior, yeah, and wearing a normal pair of trousers. You get what I'm trying to say? So it's not right to pray like that, but, uh, or to wear that, and so on. So if a qamis is causing problems where it's uh, risking, uh, uh, you know, uh, showing the aura, then one should avoid that. Okay? Yeah. You body type, that. yes. I, I'm sure like a week ago we said it was uh sinful. That, so, this is what I said I said that the scholars who, who are who rule on this this is what they flip between, and this is their two opinions. Um, the third opinion is a very rare one, which is so technically there are three, but in practice, there are two. First opinion your prayer is valid, your action is haram, so you sin. Second opinion your prayer is valid. And you are doing something which is makruh, which is by definition not sinful, but might as well be. Yeah? And because you're leading you to a whole different place. yeah. And the third position, it's haram, and the prayer is invalid. And that's a very difficult opinion to support from the evidences. And I don't support it. I think the second one is, personally speaking, I'm of the second one. Yeah? Yeah. Yes? Just going back to wearing the hat, the cap or hat. Yes. Yes, yes. Wearing the hat is an Urfiya. Yeah. That is only valid outside, in the external environment. Correct. But when you're at home, and, or in the muster, yes. that is not valid. So therefore, the, that should be what? Yes? So what you're saying, okay, is that if, the, if one of the driving principles behind the hat is that it is something which is respected in the society, then you're saying that inside a mosque... That doesn't apply or should apply. You no, know, I'm talking about the opposite. Outside society, if you don't want to wear it because the people aren't wearing it or it's not respectful, but in the mosque, that doesn't apply. Uh, or totally. um, well, so let's 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 split that up then. So let's look at mosque. Mm-hmm. Mosque, of course, is a representation of society. Because if you look at what Ibn Umar said, his exact words, okay, his exact words are um he said, Are you going to go in front of the people, bareheaded? So it's people which is the issue. So obviously going to the masjid, in fact that's actually probably the, more, the most perfect expression of that hadith, the mosque. Because people don't normally care what they had to meet people outside, but it's in the mosque, yeah, and when you know that you know someone is going to give you a proper slap down, isn't it? Yeah? They're the people who care. So... Uh, I think that when, when we're talking about the urf of the people, I think the mosque is very much part of it. So that part is that's my first response. You want to respond to that? Yeah, I just wanted to say that in this society, yeah. it wouldn't be the mosque, but rather it would be the people outside. You'd be considering. Oh, is. sorry, I, I I I sorry, I beg your pardon. I've got, no, sorry, I misunderstood your question. You're trying to say that there's two urfs. Mm. There's the urf of your people in the masjid, and the people you hang around with, and then there's the urf of the people outside. Uh, and therefore in the masjid you should wear a hat and so on um, I think that's a very good point and very valid point the challenge to it would be that um, uh, <coughs> uh, I disagree completely and I'll tell you why but I'm trying to just maybe build my argument in a way that would make sense Urf yeah Urf comes from arafa, okay to know something and it's Maruf when we say something is ma'ruf it means it's well known and the uruf is called يعني, that because it's so well known amongst the people it's a natural reality that no one has to think about twice it's what they do without thinking now in society that's some basic things that that, that applies to outside and it normally represents their mindset their, their x their y their culture their heat the temperature the climate so my question now The Muslim society, we'll call it, inside the mosque. What's their excuse to claim that for their urf? And what is their urf? And do Muslim people have an urf? I believe very strongly that they don't. A mosque has individuals who are members of society. They come from different places, they have different clothing styles, they have different ideas of what they should wear, etc. Those individual representations that they show represents their urf if you were to unify the people inside a mosque, you are either going to claim that they are all the people outside who have come in, and they have therefore a dress code, or you're going to say that the dress code is religious, but not an orf, not a custom. You are going to say that we want everyone to dress like this because it's Islamic. So my idea would be that if there is this idea, as there is in virtually every mosque, that you should wear a hat, where's that come from? Like what could that source be? Because this, the people in the mosque are not an independent reality They only live inside the mosque. They are members of the wider culture and community and customs of the people. So you're either going to say that it's so strong outside that they've brought it in, then I would think that you need to wear it. Or you're going to say, what? It's religious. Because I don't think there's a third. Is there a third reality? Either you're going to say it's religious. Now, what did what about we say? Respect? What about respect? Where does respect come from? Yeah, it, what, what is, it's either these two either one you see it as a religious reality or two you understand it as a as, as a as people do that you know what I'm trying to say so that's why I go back to the point that I think uh, I, I, forget what I think I'm just trying to make it clear that inside the mosque I don't want you to think of it as entirely as a different culture go on so many things that you do amongst Muslims yeah. you wouldn't do amongst non-Muslims. So some things you do in front of Muslims you wouldn't do in front of non-Muslims. Okay. okay. Like? Wear a hat. Why though? Why? Why? And it's not the custom there. It is the custom amongst Muslims. Whether it's... Don't it, say Muslim, say... Pakistanis. In Pakistanis. Yeah. That you wear a hat and you want to feel out of place. where you might be amongst non-Muslims or... English people, people you might not. So, so I could say that if I'm amongst Arabs wearing a hat, I feel out like of place. Fair enough. Cool. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, that, that's fine. But um, if you are amongst. So that's what I'm trying to say. Why are we using the word mosques and not using the word packs and Arabs? Because that's where the packs and Arabs <laughs> <are. laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But you could say the same for like churches or synagogues or whatever. There is a culture that happens. Really? I mean, Christians' dress in cl- weight. No, they don't. They no, don't. The, uh, how, how you, the Do people. No, but, but, but is it a uniform, or is it yani, formal, what we call Sunday clothes? Yeah. Yeah. Sunday, clo- well, Sunday there, best. Sunday best. Like the they wear more. The they don't get no skin. Mm-hmm. Respect and formal. Yeah. But sure. is there some... So your point is, is that extra upgrading clothing and amount of clothing is the same as perangahatam. I think, yeah, that, 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 is, but that, that, that is a fair point. When we had, uh, had the khilafah. Whether you were in Morocco, or in Iran, or in China, everyone covered their head. So, so here's a question, so here's a, this, is, this is also what I want to investigate. This, everyone, everyone covering their head, where is it coming from? Is it coming from everyone's individual culture? Or is the fact that, or, or, because this is by the way, not something, it's not something that we can resolve now. Or is culture a representation of religious values? Which there's a very strong opinion for when you study anthropology, that, they're, they're, that culture itself is representing values. And values themselves that you either take as from your own self or you make them up as the man made society or from your religion. And that goes back to this whole argument, back to the time of the companions. What's the legal status of the hat and the turban, especially? We've said it very clearly that it was the culture of the people, yeah? It's not the religion. I cannot possibly emphasize this point enough that there was no such thing as an initiation of head covering with the sending of the Prophet. It was the existent reality before the Prophet and before Islam. And the Muslims came into the Arab culture and then people then started to then copy the Arabs. That is why there's always this big kind of you know push against Arabs. You see that kind of counter racism against Arabs. Why you wearing Arabic clothing, why you people get become really sensitive they're saying that we're happy to take our deen from you but don't give us your dress code kind of thing so there's a lot here you know that meets the eye so I'm saying that I agree that it's an absolute universal fact amongst the majority of Muslims because the Arabs are a minority okay this isn't reality in an Arab mosque you know you said the word mosque that's not what it's like in an Arab mosque you're not going to find no bloody basket outside where you pick your hat outside <laughs> in the Arab mosque in an Arab mosque and inside only the packs will be wearing it yeah. right Muslim Arab countries or not are, even in Arab Mosque here. No no I'm talking about in the in the Like a non Muslim country, you, you mean non Muslim country or Muslim? Country, Muslim country. Pact, yeah. You know, people wearing hats outside outside, outside, outside.
1: outside
0: outside and inside. And in Arab um, a mosque? Well yeah, that's what you. Know, must in an Arab mosque in an Arab country, are they wearing head coverings or not? They are. So, so But that's because it's their that's bec it's, it's their thing. It's like you know, in, in Arab society, it goes far more. In Arabs, depending upon where, because the Egyptians don't put them as Africans, don't don't take Libyans. Okay, <laughs> right? The Egyptians and the, for example, the Saudis. Okay, right? They are on two separate, yani, you know, planets. Now, I know it could be argued that the Saudis have the least culture on planet. Okay, but they are like more like women in their culture. That they believe that the head should be covered. And for them, the head means the full, shib- you know, full behavior. That shimagh, okay, the tea tea cloth, like you know, they, there are some scholars, there are some people who try to create a religious basis for that. That it should be covering the shoulder, it should be covering the neck, and it's part of maru'ah. And I'm telling you now, okay, that when I used to live in Saudi, and I used to spend time with the students and teachers and whatever, whatnot, I used to hate that nonsense, okay? And they look down upon a person who's just wearing just a hat. They look down. You stick out a mile. They expect a student of knowledge or a practicing Muslim, I should say, to be covering and have the full shabam. Absolutely. So culture is very, very different. Very, very different. why none of the big ulama, in the past never said hat's not important. Because the you, is the culture of the people. They all it. Why do I wear one? Why does everyone wear one? Muslims... I told you, Sheikh al-Bani said that he, Sheikh al-Bani to the level that he said that it's a sunnah. Oh, sorry. That he said the Muslims should wear it because it's a sign of Islam. Sheikh al-Bani himself said that it's not a uh, sunnah, but it's a sign of Islamic identity. Now, this is a very interesting category. What does that even mean? A sign of Islamic identity. Well, you know what? It comes into its own if there are non Islamic realities that are fighting against dress codes and there are and that's why I think that wearing a thobe wearing a hat is actually as it has as much of a basis as people trying to say which is correct that you should wear the clothes of the people that shouldn't yani you know that, that, that so that you don't stick out so I think that the the, the, the expressions of these two kind of linchpin, lynch kind of pillars these principles the expression of that is a political one. What works best for each community at each time. Okay, yeah. So two questions online. Yeah. Basically about the exceptions to the aura, if any. Yeah. So for example, there's one example been given about being in a hospital. Yes. Uh, with, you know, having a hospital now for Yes. Reason, yes. Is that your aura might be exposed. Yes. So that's one scenario. And the other scenario is that you So that question is coming next time. Okay, and then so it might be similar to the next one. Is that if a woman hasn't got enough Yep. Cloth. Yep. yep. Uh, when she goes sitting down. Yep. And to cover as much as she can. Yep. That than, and then than that's that's also next. That's the next few lessons. The next few lessons are all about what happens when the aura is exposed, and all those variations. Okay, guys. Zach oh, subhanakallahu, bihamdika Shadwal. Oh, oh, oh! Before I end, sorry. Yes, announcements. We have two key announcements. We have two big events coming up. Okay, two big events. And the first one is just a few two weeks away, three weeks away, two weeks away, and that's Yasser, who's here. Yasser Qadi, Sheikh Yasser Qadi is teaching, no doubt, February tenth. And there is an offer at the moment, okay? Family discount. Family, yeah. family discount. mean it's not yeah, the uh, uh, Family discount. Oh right, okay. So um, there's a family <laughs> discount on offer at the moment that uh, that can save you yeah like eighty five pounds if you apply it, whatever. So threes and fours and fives whatever you get you know 35 pound off, 55 pound off, 85 pounds off, whatever it is they just go to almaghrib.org slash manchester Yep, yeah. and uh so you can get the discount applied there applying as a family contact the people there that's february uh, there, there is yes there is a mother and baby room it's actually very well organized the thing is huge uh might be a bit cold okay but uh Make sure you bring in some garam clothes just in case, okay? Yes. But uh, there's a mother and baby room. It's the full shabam. So um, that's on February 10th. And then we have the uh, conference uh, at the mysterious uh, location in New Yorkshire, okay? And uh, But it could be closer than you think, and London as well. And that's going to be on April 26th and the 27th, inshallah. That's right, yeah? 22nd, 23rd. 22nd, 23rd even. 22nd, 23rd. Yeah, that was close. And... Um, and there's uh, Sheikh Yasser and Omar Suleiman and Oman Ali Khan and so on and so forth. Okay? So that's the two announcements for that. And I think we have announcements. Any other important announcements? now? Zak khair. Huh? Your Hajj and Umar also. No, no. Yeah. Hajj Umrah Umar. Everyone knows about that. That's just fine. Subhanakallahum. Allahumma shahadu al ilahi lalala. Astaghfirullah. Allahumma wa